serious. Then I will break you. Hulk smash! You merely adopted the dark. I could do this all day. Tide Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Fay, coming to you today from the Westview Studios to talk to you about the latest addition to the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe, the show WandaVision. So if you're new to the show, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You can email us, titlerunsupport at gmail.com. And please make sure and please make sure to like and subscribe on any podcasting platform that you might be listening to this show on. So, to help me talk about this show, its direction, where it's going, what we've seen so far, and to understand what the crap is happening, <laughs> I brought on my title theory partner in crime, William Lindblad. All right, William, tell the people what's up. Hey, how's it going? So, Billy the intern could not fix the problems at William's computer, so we're starting this after a very, very long and frustrating delay for William. So, Billy, I don't know who your remote a working partner is over there in Maryland where William is, but I need you to do better. I mean, <laughs> as an intern, we expect not a lot from you, but more than this. All right. So interns, man, William fell victim to the hour long Microsoft windows update, which is one of the few things that I do agree is better about Apple products than Microsoft products. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of very few. We're not here to talk about that kind of technology. The only technology we'll be talking about today is uh, repulsor and toaster ovens and <laughs> the kind of things we saw in WandaVision. So, uh, William, what was your initial gut reaction to the first two episodes of WandaVision? Just your gut, top of your head reaction. It was just as I think it was advertised. It, it was going to be very, very um, different. <laughs> Uh, and unusual yeah. uh, compared to the standard superhero uh, fare that the MCU has given us to to this point. Um, and I think that's a good thing and also a bad thing, uh, depending yeah. on your perspective. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're like a comic book uh, nerd like me and you want to be the guy that like notices all the Easter eggs and picks apart scene by scene and sound by sound, then I think it's great for you. But if you're one of those casual people, I saw several um, like Facebook comments and stuff on various yeah. posts where it was like, I, I watched the MCU movies with my daughters or my children and and I don't see the I don't really see the point of this and, and that sort of thing. It's for the casual sort of MCU viewer that has no history or experience with Marvel and the superheroes and the comic book plot lines and stuff. Uh, it's disturbing I, I guess uh for them because it's very different from what they're used to had i not been prepped by you know one of our favorite youtube channels new rock stars who's done you know deep dives into all the trailers leading up to it and gave me a lot of insight on wanda's story because beyond house of m and her basic biological background i don't know a whole lot about that character but had i not been prepped in the way that you know i was from that i would have been relatively lost as even a fan that does know some of the lore coming into the series and so you know talking to uh scott the stat assassin and, and g unit you know two of our good friends uh gordon's first comment was it's weird <laughs> to which i said yes and i expected that and the show was very much what i expected based on what we saw from the trailers but i would say the one thing that would be difficult is if you're someone with no context about what the basic storyline is which we'll address here in a second you're watching this like okay, we're doing 50s and 60s sitcoms, but why? And if I had to pick apart, if I had to kind of sum, sum up my initial reaction to the show, it's like super entertaining, but incomplete. It's kind of how I felt. Yeah. I love the second episode. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, my wife loved it also, but it's kind of like you're looking for a little bit more on the nose um, hints at what's actually going on, that it's them being trapped in this artificial world. They give you some more blatant ones in the second episode, but in the first episode, you're just watching like, what, 
what, why am I watching a Dick Van Dyke knockoff? And I think that's one thing that could have, they could have done better is if you're trying to actually get the casual fans to watch, which you are, because a lot of people that watch MCU movies are casual Marvel fans. They're not diehards. I feel like they needed to give a little bit more indication of what's going on in the world around Westview. And um, for those who aren't familiar with it, the basic idea of the story, and this is not even a spoiler, is that uh, Wanda and Vision are trapped in some kind of artificial world being observed. And you kind of see that with the monitors um, that show at the very end of the show. They're trapped in this kind of artificial world being being observed. And someone or something is trying to manipulate Wanda in this world. So that's the basic premise of the show. And you're watching Wanda live out these uh, these idealistic visions of a perfect life with vision her deceased lover <laughs> so William out of the two episodes which one did you enjoy the most I, I would agree that of the two um, the second one was very much the the one I enjoyed better um, yeah yeah mostly because it's slightly longer and so there's a little more packed into it but also at the, the first episode had the unenviable task of sort of introducing you to the entire concept of the show yeah for like the i guess nine episodes that it's supposed to be is that what it is so, okay so you have that sort of um setup problem where like you're naturally going into it and you're like what am i supposed to expect and that's weirdness basically from from the get-go if you're expecting like a bunch of people in colorful spandex punching things like a superhero movie usually is we might get that yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. hopefully like i think they said they tease like the last three episodes or whatever like the third act of the the series would be like the, the actual like what you expect from a superhero movie right um where there's a bad guy there's there's fighting and powers and stuff like that but the second episode i thought the first episode wasn't bad i, I should clarify mm-hmm. the first episode yeah. wasn't bad it started off kind of weird and awkward mm-hmm. um but but when you get to the the actual like the spoiler like when they have dinner yes um, with with his boss and there's like the conversation and everything it, it's very unsettling because people are like glitching <laughs> and like the matrix is starting to show itself a little bit yeah um and there's that sort of you you get the underlying horror that is being revealed in the situation yeah and, and i think it's it's really interesting to me the entire concept of the show is i think i described it as like meta horror like twilight zone type stuff but told very twilight zone yes with the lens of the carefree sitcom sort of format and so you have that that contrast of we're giving you this really really disturbing premise and we're sugarcoating it with 1950s feel-good sitcom environment so that it's all the more insidious and the setting of the show is this town called Westview. We have no idea where it actually is. Uh, well, actually, we do have some clues, but um, it's this, essentially, we believe a fictional town where these these um, scenes or shows are taking place. Um, and I think, like you said, the first episode really focused on emphasizing kind of the setup of the, the world, the environment. Juan and Vision are married. There's some lack of clarity about how long how they got there which kind of comes up in the episode and it, it kind of reminds me of ariadne talking to uh leonardo dicaprio's character in inception where you're in the middle of a dream and he's like well how do we get here and you're like the, wait well no we just oh yeah it, it, it very much uh, reminded me of that and when they're trying to figure out kind of the whole scenario that they're living in right now i'm like oh yeah how did we get here what do these things mean what's our anniversary all those kind of questions that come up in the first episode um and then with the second episode you see that emphasis on trying to fit in and they talk about it over and over again trying to fit in trying to fit in trying to fit in and the word the statement gets repeated over and over again is for the children though no children are actually seen in that episode which makes it super ironic so just any thoughts that you have on uh the kind of the, the themes for the first two episodes of the setting that you saw yeah um well starting starting with the creepiest i think part is for the children and they keep yeah. they repeat it like a, like a mantra well, so whenever yeah. one person says it it's like for the children and then for like the a cult children. they all say for the children yeah like monotone and some of them are like this is weird and others are like just completely into it and not noticing anything weird about it and they're just like a ladies group and like this is yeah for the children and 
I think the 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 rumors and stuff that I've seen and the sort of ex- expectation that I have based on the comic inspirations of like House of M and things like that is that um <laughs> in terms of villain projection like for this show like who, who's the who's the bad guy who's doing this sort of thing to her who's do, pulling the strings or whatever it happens to be um the expectation for most comic book nerds is that it's mephisto which it has is, to be doesn't it it has to be marvel's satan basically yeah yeah um and there's like all these references to devil devil this devil that uh satan hell etc um in the show like that are just dropped here and there and for the children has a special meaning because if you look at the comics and you bring the comics into it and they and if it reflects the comics that uh wanda and vision's children that were conceived through magical means in this altered reality vision cannot actually procreate just so we're clear yes he is a, he is a, not human he cannot actually procreate and so they have these magical two twins uh that she has and it turns out in the comics for those of you that don't keep up with the comics or haven't kept up with the comics as i understand it um they were a plot device or a a scheme whereby mephisto could siphon off and leech wanda's reality warping magic yes. to yeah, himself correct. basically stealing her power to himself um and spoiler alert in the in the comics the, the children also end up just being like shards of mephisto's soul so they're yeah. not even their own creep they're not even their own beings they're they're just parts of mephisto that reabsorb into him when he wants them to and then end up being reincarnated to two separate bodies that actually become real humans. And yes. it's weird comic book stuff. Yeah. But it's, yes, it's so that is, weird. that's very much the idea is that initially those two kids are these concepts in Wanda's mind that become reality, but that are just used to manipulate her. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that the, the rep- repetition of the, for the children sort of thing is, is this idea of since you see, you see no other children, they're ref- like they they mention children but you don't like in the background you don't see like bicycles or toys in the yard or Mm -mm. any sort of children running around playing tag or whatever there's nothing relating nothing that would even hint at a child being present in this town and they say for the children and it sort of makes it seem like it's like a backwards um sort of like hint hint nudge nudge like we're all in on this we're helping mephisto produce children so he can steal your power and that's the sort of idea that i'm going with and the only reference to children we see is when wanda after kissing vision suddenly sprouts a baby bump at the end of this at the end of the episode which is really the only childlike reference to the only child or children thing we see in the entire episode is her magically sprouting this baby bump after (laughs) after kissing vision and and that's if depending on what kind of sex ed you had in school (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that might be how you think it happens. Um, but that's not how it happens usually uh, in, in most cases. Yeah, um, so. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird that they, they were emphasizing for the children and not having any children present until the end of the second episode when it's two babies in Wanda's tummy. Yeah. And I mentioned seeing what happens with, that um i have to say one of the other things that i observed i am fairly certain that the monica rambo character is uh as we as move on to our speculation a couple of things that i'm thinking about and let me back up here one of the questions you'd written down was are the other citizens of westview victims or conspirators and that's especially unclear with the interactions that some of them have because Obviously, the character that comes to mind, first of all, is Agnes, who we're pretty sure is uh, the character Agatha Harkness from the comics, who is one of Mephisto's minions. Where essentially, they just took the beginning of her first name, the end of her last name, Agatha Harkness, and made it into Agnes. And since she shows up in unusual ways and all the time seems to be around a Wanda and Vision, uh, it seems pretty clear that she is in some way in on the deception um, it's, it would seem that way, although she does seem to be, you know, not necessarily, um, 
She doesn't seem to have ill intent towards them, but she seems to be, she knows a lot, in other words, more so than it seems like anybody else in Westview knows. Yeah, it's, and I chalk that up to my suspicious nature. Like when I, I've seen too many of these like twisty M. Night Shyamalan type scenarios where it's like you're, you're, you're supposed to expect one thing and then it turns out that's completely opposite the case. And so I'm, I'm trying to balance all this stuff in my head, watching it of like just a experiencing what they've produced and taking in like their dialogue and the set pieces and the, the acting and all that. And also relating it back to what I know of the comics and what, especially the ones that were supposed to inspire this, that they're like winking and nodding at. And also just my general uh, sort of body of accumulated experience with movies <laughs> and twist endings and things like that. And I'm, the way, the way I look at it, and this could be completely off, um, but spoiler alert if it's not, um, is that Agnes is sort of like the leader. Um, I definitely think Monica is an innocent bystander because she seems utterly mm -hmm. confused most of the time yes. when she's asked her name. Yes. like She doesn't even know her name mm -hmm. when she's asked. Um, and so I think she's basically somebody that was sent in to investigate and sort of got stuck in the world. Mm -hmm. That's, um, that's just, kind of the impression I got too. Uh, just just like the helicopter i think the helicopter it's sort of like that episode of the twilight zone with a kid with magical powers mm -hmm. that just makes things what he wants and so like when a helicopter you hear a helicopter in the, one of the episodes or whatever and then a toy helicopter shows up in the bushes mm -hmm. i think that it's been transformed basically from an actual helicopter to because it's intruding upon this reality and it's its existence as a helicopter and what it signifies is not wanted <laughs> by whoever's controlling the reality be it wanda or wanda subconscious or somebody behind wanda pulling strings um doesn't want it there so it becomes this innocuous toy um similarly to the the beekeeper guy at the end of the episode where he pops out of the yeah. um, i think people are making a big deal he has the sword logo on the he back does. of his uniform yes he does he is clearly an agent that's infiltrated westview in some yeah. way shape or form and it could be that the beekeeper uniform is just uh, a 1950s sitcom translation that her brain is doing of um, like a hazmat suit or mm -hmm. something. Like they don't yep. know what to expect inside this weird little bubble. And so they send a guy in with a hazmat suit and it trans transmogrifies into um, a beekeeper outfit because that's the closest visual thing that it, look, it would look like to somebody in the 1960s or 50s or whatever. Well, even going to the sounds outside of the house, like I, my first guess when I heard when I saw the helicopter, was I thought maybe it was a drone, but with the same concept that she's transformed it into this little innocuous toy. But also, like going back to things that you were talking about, the outside world affecting their reality inside Westview. I thought of the um, the sounds outside the house. I was like, I thought of it as being maybe a military barrage, like shooting or some kind of ballistic weapons, but it clearly seemed to indicate something from the outside of this world trying to get into the world. Yeah. Well, most definitely. And I think we're going to get more and more of that as this, the series goes on as we're going to see the, like, the outside world and like how it's trying to interact. Uh, we got that a little bit in the end of the first episode with like it panning out on the screen and sinks and seeing somebody like watching from a mm -hmm. control panel mm -hmm. or something from this, like this show that's happening. And, and then, you, like you said, the, if you look really clearly at that shot also there is sword on the logo that's over there on the desk so that gives you an indication that this is somebody from sword which is a whole other thing we need to get into that's watching this happen what were you saying william i interrupted oh you. and I, then I, then in the second episode like you were saying with the uh, the radio break-in where they're like yes. wanda Wanda, like they're trying they're trying to like make contact mm -hmm. via mm -hmm. electronic communication and they're saying like wanda who's doing this to you like they're trying to figure out what's happening um just so they can get a grip like they, they can get a grip on the situation and know how to intervene if need be um, as if they could uh, with this sort of power structure but even but even like going back because I got off track sorry <laughs> um, of just with the randomness that happens is that I think Monica is sort of an innocent bystander in this whole thing mm -hmm. I think Agnes is sort of the ringleader she's sort of the one that's she she knows it's the matrix she's sort of mm -hmm. like agent smith mm -hmm. and she's like trying to coordinate all the other things happening and so that's why she shows up when 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 wanda starts to question things or whatever or she has like a moment alone she kind of pops up and says hey wanda how's it going and like completely derails whatever 
suspicious thoughts that she's having. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the others, this is just me being very suspicious and not trusting as a human being, but um, I think they might be like part of the coven of witches that are with um, Agnes, but they're not mm. the leader. And so they okay. don't, because you can sort of see it break through, like they're playing a part unknowingly, like they're playing a, a character. And then when you see something break down, it's like they realize something's happening and they're kind of disoriented, but mm. not to the extent I would think that like a Monica Rambeau would be. Yes. Okay. She's like, why am I here? And so I think, I think they're sort of in on it, but in on it in a lesser sense, and just to where they basically get like overridden in their brain that they're playing this role. Um, and I think that there's some sort of um, comic precedence for that because there's a, a group called the Salem seven or something like that in the comics that are actually hmm. um, Agatha Harkness's grandchildren. Um, and they leave Salem, Massachusetts and found a, a new colony of witches in Colorado. And they sort of do <laughs> okay. this and they sort of do this sort of uh, thing where they make their own town and, and whatnot. Okay. And it's like separate from the this. rest of reality. Uh, and Agatha Harkness, by the way, in the comic books is like really old. So she's not yes. like Catherine yes. Hahn's age. I think Catherine Hahn is, like, is in her mid 40s. So Agatha Harkness <laughs> is like, you know, like old gray haired. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Old gray haired witch in the comics, just just so y'all know. Um, so, like, there's just so much to break down. Uh, but you do have these Easter eggs, you have these nods. You mentioned the radio. On the radio, the voice that comes over, it sounds like Jimmy Woo, um, who's. <laughs> At this point, a sword agent. That sounds like the, the the voice that comes over the radio. We know from some of the trailers footage we've seen that there is a shot of Monica Rambo getting ejected out of this bubble in some way, shape, or form. You see Jimmy Woo and Shield agents running towards the bubble. We know some of that takes place later on, which probably gives us some small idea of where this is going. And the fact that well, it's kind of how we know. Okay, at some point, the issue is going to hit the fan, and we're going to start seeing who's behind this, and they're going to start fighting back. So we know kind of that's where it's going. I hope that's not a spoiler for people. But we have no idea who the villain is and how this is all going to play out or how they're going to figure out what's going on. And I think that's where the intrigue is. And moving forward, I think um, as we're watching what we've seen so far, you have episode one, which is um, modeling, which is modeled after the Dick Van Dyke show, which ran from 61 to 66. Then it's followed by an episode with the Bewitched intro, which I loved because I grew up actually watching daytime reruns of Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, and I thought Barbara Eden was the most beautiful creature ever. Um, but that one ran from 1964 to 72. So I expect that the next episode will move us into the 70s, um, which probably like a Brady Bunch type show, I would guess. And then into the 80s, maybe like a Family Ties type show, or maybe even a Full House type show from the 80s. And then based on the little bit of trailer footage we saw, maybe like a Roseanne type show from the 90s. And then at that point, maybe they are... Uh, starting to figure out what's going on because we've already gotten to color by the end of the last show. So what do you think about that? I I like the premise and Paul Bettany's, I think, been on record in an interview saying that, that there's a purpose to the progression of the, uh, of like the sort of sitcom inspirations and genre, like the sort of what's happening with, it's not just a cute idea that they like, they thought up in the, the writer's room it's it's got a he, he assures us that it has a purpose to what's going to happen later and that it makes sense within the the flow of the narrative um and so far i trust that and so you yeah. sort of see the the maturation it just it just as um tv viewer sensibilities matured across decades yeah and like what was uh, expected and normed from there and nothing illustrates that better than the scene where they're sleeping in two separate beds and then Wanda pulls the beds together. And like, I was like, that's that in a nutshell illustrates like the differences in like TV then and TV now. And now basically if you don't show nipples or a penis, you can show it on like primetime television. I mean, back then you could even show them sleeping in the same bed. So yeah, like that, that's a very good uh, point you bring up, um, which kind of brings up another thing talking about uh vision wanna sleep in the same bed is vision real or is she an illusion i mean what do you think before i share what i think uh i i think vision is a figment of her imagination i think vision is sort of an, yeah. an externalization of a part of her brain or a part of her mind yeah uh to help her process things um because it seems pretty clear that he he only does the things that she tells him to or requests him to do 
Like huh. he wasn't going to he like in the first episode, the guy's choking and they both kind of stare at the guy like, oh, so this is bad. And nobody acts until Wanda says, Vision, Vision. help him. And he huh. gets down and goes boop, boop, and and pulls it out of his his throat with his like intangibility and everything just kind of moves on. They, they get up and leave like nothing happened. And it's really weird. But which seems very out of character from what we know of Vision. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess he, you know, he's very proactive in, the, in exactly. like the rest of the movies. He's like, I like to help people. I do what's mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So he's because he's very, he's very awkward in that way. Um, like sort of socially, it's like I'm doing the right thing. P- like, please stop what you are doing right now. <laughs> and I hadn't thought of that. And okay. here it's he's sort of a, a, a bystander or a passive force. Um, and so I think he's it's basically a manifestation of Wanda's psyche to some degree. And apparently he can't handle his gum. <laughs> <laughs> That's how robots work. That was like the illustration of him actually having his, his gears gunked up, but she doesn't even have gears, you know, but like that was <laughs> that. And then him acting drunk was hilarious because Paul Bettany's an amazing actor. And Oh yeah. The whole oh. scene where they're doing the, the talent show, I, I could not stop laughing that entire time. Like I thought it was brilliant I, and well acted. I, I, I had flashbacks to um, a Knight's Tale where yes, I said the same thing. Like, oh, this is Jeffrey Chaucer. (laughs) It's like he's getting up and putting on a show. Like, hello, everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Lick von Lichtenstein. I was waiting for it. Judging. Um. So, I'm with you in agreeing that I think that Vision's a figment of Wanda's imagination, which also makes me wonder: when all this is over, what's the end result moving forward? like what's the end game so like not only what happens with this story but once the story is complete what happens moving forward with the mcu what are the impacts on the mcu mcu you actually wrote that down in your questions that you had here yeah there oh it's 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 really hard to sort of narrow it down because like it's sort of like a cascade of different variables and so depending on what the answer is for each step of the way it could lead you in like completely different directions and from from what i gather based on trying to follow the uh sort of insider news leaks and things like that with the mcu and kevin feige given interviews and and whatnot is that this series is supposed to sort of set up or lead into um, both spider-man uh three that's coming out later this year as well as um, captain marvel 2 with monica rambeau i think but and... then also Spider-Man 3 is supposed to segue into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's the one I was waiting and for. So I definitely think given that and given the fact that we sort of we're sort of confident with the leaks that Spider-Man 3 is going to feature a multiverse of Spider-Man Which coming I together. Love. Yes, it's a great idea. <laughs> and and villains too. So it's, yeah. That's an easy way to get the Sinister Six all together in one please, movie. <laughs> please bring back a William Defoe, deceased or not, uh, Goblin. I mean, I don't know how you do oh, it. Oh yeah. But my goodness. Absolutely. Anyways, we digress. That's for another day. We'll, that, that'll be. We'll, we'll add it to the list. Really Villain, want him to be Mephisto. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that's oh yeah. He has the crazy wow. face. He has the oh my crazy gosh, manic yes. face. Can you imagine him as Mephisto? Oh wow, that's pretty strong. I all think right, he well, would be perfect. Him or Nicholas Cage. Mark, mark that down. Uh, villains and cro- crossover characters we want to see in the Spider Verse film. Well, that's we'll, we'll mark that one down for later on in the year. But um, and but we I think for sure one of the things we can expect is the introduction in some way, shape, or form of her two children, Wicked and Speed. And uh, Speed base Speed essentially channels all of the abilities of her brother the you know deceased quicksilver and wiccan inherits uh her magical powers but through the mutant gene not through the actual um learning of magic and it's interesting because there's some controversy debate about where wanda actually gets her powers from uh you know and without going into the all the convoluted comic book history she was a mutant she was the daughter of magneto then she wasn't and then her powers were mutant powers, and then they weren't. So 
I don't really know where all that stands. We do know that so far her powers in the MCU originate from basically having some dormant gene activated by interaction or experimentation with the Mind Stone uh, at the hands of Baron Von Strucker. So this is hopefully going to lead back to the theory you've had for a couple years, which I love, which is that when the Infinity Stones are destroyed by Thanos the release of the infinity energy activates the X genes with the corresponding stone creating the corresponding power in those mutants. So in her case, you know, it would make sense for the reality stone to have activated the X gene in her and given her reality bending powers. Whereas someone like Gambit is touched by the power stone and can now charge objects to create kinetic energy and so on and so forth. Yeah, exactly. And, and that exact theory, which I believe if we go back, I either wrote about or we spoke about like Both. just after Infinity War uh, came out. I have the uh, message before, still. Yeah, before, before Endgame was even in the theater, that yeah. was something we had talked about. And so I'm going to have to request royalties from new rock stars who are trying yeah. to pass off that that theory. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I had this great idea. Like, no, you, no, 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 no. I had it like a year and a half ago. <laughs> I was like, these, these Infinity Stones represent like cosmic forces and like just cosmic realities that exist in throughout the universe and just because you destroy the stone you're not getting rid of that concept energy yeah so the concept of time and mind and space and reality are still there they're just not in a convenient encapsulated form like a stone that put into a gauntlet and so i think yeah it's it's dispersed amongst the people living in the universe yeah you have mutants yeah, like somebody like Cyclops. Somebody like Cyclops gets his his power from the Power Stone, or somebody like Nightcrawler can manipulate a his can can move through space and time because of well, not time can move through space because of the Space Stone. He can go from spot to spot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that makes a lot of sense, and it'll be interesting to see how they choose to retcon Wanda's abilities because that'll say a lot about it in the future moving forward. If they're going to make Wiccan and Speed, uh part of the new young avengers team which seems to be the direction they're going in and they cast i think uh Haley steinfeld to be the new mm-hmm. uh what's hawkeye's daughter's name rachel bishop is that no right no what's, what's kate bishop yeah kate bishop thank you um and by the way Haley steinfeld is an unbelievable actress if you don't know her from ender's game and bumblebee she's fantastic so if they're gonna go the route of the new avengers you're gonna see wicked and speed introduced in this uh, series in some way, shape, or form. It'll be interesting to see if they are aged up to the age of being teenagers, or if they do the whole thing where Mephisto steals their souls and they're reincarnated, et cetera, et cetera, which seems like it could be a little convoluted even for for a universe that's more or less been pretty realistic. It's, And I think with regard to Wiccan and Speed, um, because they're they're basically, almost, I, I think they're founding members of the Young Avengers in the they comics. They are. If, if not, they're, they're like quickly recruited. Yeah. But um, I, people are kind of wondering who Evan Peters is going to be in this uh, series because he was cast and he and his casting was released to the public and nobody knows who, what character he's playing and most people are assuming he's playing the bad guy just because it's Evan Peters and and whatnot. Some people are thinking he might be Quicksilver and it's like that would be silly to bring in an alternate universe Quicksilver. <laughs> yeah, and I, was, I want to explain that Evan Peters plays Quicksilver in the Fox branch of the mutant universe plays a fantastic version of him who is who's who's done really well and so they're he's we know he's a part of this universe now we don't know the role is he gonna play speed uh wanda's son i mean i would actually say wiccan that would that was gonna be my guess was because because he to me he looks like wiccan from the comics with like his facial structure and everything he's got darker hair and everything and he he looks like like Wiccan um but that's like that that has proven time and again to be an unreliable yeah. basis to to project on to um casting calls because Apocalypse is a seven foot tall Egyptian not a five foot eight Guatemalan and <laughs> so this is true take that uh, as you will so so moving forward I think we both agree that to in some in some way shape or form Wiccan and Speed are going to be introduced um, because they are her children. I mean, we have already seen that she is showing that she's being pregnant. 
So, William, since we forgot to talk about this, and I'm going to go back and add this, add this back in, in post. Actually, I'm not going to do this. Billy's going to add this back in post. Sorry to make more work for you, Billy. Um, the commercials, I referenced, you know, the Repulsor Ray toaster oven, <laughs> but uh, the, Repulsor toaster, the Repulsor toaster oven. But uh, did you take anything away from those commercials? Also, any other Easter eggs you noticed? I thought it was weird um and this well this is again me being overly obsessive and knowing things that may or may not be relevant to the the mcu and the, the series but i know in the comics it's interesting that that the two the two characters of the two ideas that were referenced for both of the commercials like the first you have stark industries which would have been howard stark's company at this point in in time um and how he was always fascinated with little gadgets and stuff um, is in the comics. We find out in the last few years, at least that Tony Stark, isn't Howard Stark's biological son and that he's actually given to Howard Stark as a baby because of some weird deals with guess who Mephisto. Mephisto. <laughs> and I think that's interesting that they would include a Howard Stark product with hmm, a show okay. that's heavily teased as being like featuring Mephisto eventually. Yeah. And then, then again, in, you, in the second commercial, you have the uh, Baron Von, you have the Strucker watch. Yeah. It's Baron Von Strucker. And it says yeah. Hydra on the little, yeah, I think thousand meters or something like that. Yeah. It does. Um, yeah. But, and people are looking at like, what time is it on the watch? That might be a signal or something. Oh gosh. But I, the only thing I could think of is that Strucker, in addition to being the person who experimented on Wanda and her brother mm -hmm. to quote unquote, give them powers via the mind stone um, or activate their powers via the mind stone, I should say, is that in the comics, Baron Von Strucker as a villain has a very special um, ga gadget, if you will, weapon that he uses. And it's called the Satan arm. <laughs> And it like takes life from people. Like he grabs onto people and sucks their life force through it, I believe. <laughs> um, and so I think it's interesting that you have two commercials featuring two MC existing MCU characters. Yeah. Both of which reference the devil <laughs> uh, in them. And I'm wondering if they keep this going throughout the, mm -hmm. the rest of the, the shows, if they just have the commercial break in the middle um, or if it's just because of the time period that they have the, like the 1960s shows where it's like now time for our sponsors. Um, but I, th I thought it was very interesting that of the two episodes we've gotten so far, both of the commercial breaks feature name drops and stuff of characters in the MCU that have had comic book dealings with Mephisto. The devil's in the details. That's not the only place he is. <laughs> That's one of the best lines. Uh, Captain Han's amazing in this show, by the way, man. Oh yeah. It's clearly the best character so far. Yeah, and, and, that and the uh, the husband that got fired on the first episode. That and it leads to reference to the idea that and we had written this down. And do you think that Ralph is a real character? <laughs> I oh, I don't think Ralph exists. I don't I think, think so Ralph either. is like a reference that she's using to like seem normal because mm -hmm. you never see Ralph in, in either of the, you see everybody else. Yes, apparently everybody in the town was was in uh in attendance at the talent show in the second episode and she was not sitting with her family like everyone else was she was sitting with um the boss's wife and i was the boss there himself, he was actually was he... not there after choking in the dinner he was one of the ones that was so missing that's, that's what makes me think that that they're all a coven and they're working mm -hmm. together and only agnes is because of the way the spell works or whatever yeah. that agnes is the only one that knows what's going on to manage mm -hmm. the spell and the rest are just sort of working living it out unknowingly mm. um is because she's at this table with um the lady from the first episode the boss's wife um deborah joe rupp i think is playing her mrs hart i think her name is um and i think that they're in on it basically okay well with that let's go ahead and transition what is sword's involvement all about man like why sword i i i i know in part the answer is because shield's gone that's why it's sword but what do you think their involvement is? Why are they involved? I was talking to my buddy Ben Trice about this question. We were both trying to trying to debate this. What are your thoughts on that, William? It's it's weird because as so many people have pointed out, Sword in the comics is basically 
space shield. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's the shield. This exactly. it's the shield that like looks out for extraterrestrial threats to the planet, and this is clearly taking place on Earth mm-hmm. with human beings, powered human beings, but human beings nonetheless. Um, and so, like, why why are they involved with with this when they should be looking to the stars for for threats? And um, some people have noted that it's because it might involve multiverses, and so that's falls under the the heading of other um, worlds attacking us, perhaps. But uh, I think, like you said, like it's it's basically just Shield's replacement. It's like an upgraded Shield because mm-hmm. Shield was disgraced from the Hydra incident. Uh-huh. Um, it's lost public trust, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have to have something to replace it. We now have Sword. Um, which, by the way, stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. So it's another yes. very, very verbose acronym that it doesn't sound that cool, but the acronym itself, SWORD, is really cool. So Yeah. It's like it's one of those things where, like, we, we, we wanted a word and then had yeah. to fill in that acronym. Exactly, exactly. With words that made sense. Exactly. And it's actually not yeah. that ridiculous. I mean, Sentient World Observation Response, it's actually pretty good. Um, yes. But it's better this, than SHIELD. So do you think this is trying to, I'm struggling here to say, what's the point of bringing sword in? So we know that the last time we saw Nick Fury, he was chilling on a ship that looked like a sword ship, looked very much like one of the sword ships that we've seen in other, uh, in other media that includes sword hanging out with hanging out and letting scrolls take his place on the planet. So like, I'm trying to figure out where the bridge is and how the bridge works. And I, I haven't put it all together and maybe it'll be pieced together later on, but I'm also trying to figure out how this show is going to bridge to Spider-Man three. I'm I, I, my only guess is that if there's going to be some introduction of multiverse type tomfoolery, that would be the bridge to Spider-Man three and seeing the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's. But I, right now I don't see the connection and it's hard to see the connection. The one thing I think could also happen is I think that perhaps the multiverse of madness, the madness could maybe refer to Wanda herself. Yes. That's, that's sort of my, my anticipation as well is that I think, I think most your, your general person would expect this series to be like every other Marvel movie and it be, like introduction of the stakes and the context of what's happening, um, inciting incident, uh, hero rises to challenge and defeats the bad guy and happy ending next movie, uh, being in post-credit scene next movie. Um, I think this is not going to be the same thing. I think because this is the introduction to phase four of Marvel, um, and it's an introduction to a, a phase that's going to heavily, um, draw from like this multiverse concept and space and everything else um or otherworldliness if you will yeah yeah as its main driving plot device i think it's this epi- I, th- I think this series is going to have a a, a tragic ending i think we're going to have that like climactic I, battle in the I last episodes and then it's going to end with even if they win it's going to end with wanda just losing her mind mm-hmm. and just doing the things she does in the comics and like remaking all of things or shattering reality or doing something on a cosmic scale that's that's very very bad that will have to be cleaned up and the climactic event in um the comic book is that after this entire interaction with mephisto and all the crap that happens to her with her kids she erases basically all mutants from existence or at least mutant power she basically gets rid of the x gene um and that's a very simplified version of what happens. Uh, it's a long convoluted story because, you know, it's a comic book, so they're always that way. But yeah, she essentially erases the mutant gene from existence. And so people that are mutants lose Except their powers. Wolverine, who remembers? Yeah, like it's, it's, because it's apparently your healing effects is your, uh, your healing also carries over to your memory as well. Apparently. Yeah, it, it's nuts. But the idea that she becomes unstable and shatters reality, I think is the most likely end to this and what will be interesting to me is will her if she does have some kind of mental descent will that be what essentially opens the floodgates to the multiverse her her doing something that actually deconstructs the barriers between the various universes 
and leads to this overlap of um, different characters from different universes. I could see that maybe being something that happens as a, talking about possible ways to bridge into the, uh, the next uh, series of movies. So who knows? The fact that we don't know and we're speculating about it is probably good because I'm interested to see, okay, where is this going and how is this going? I have an idea, but I don't know how you're going to get there, which is, which is yeah, good. It's, it's sort of like I was when, – when we finished with Endgame and we finished the Infinity Saga, as they call it now, they were wondering what's the next big crossover event going to be and i looked at all the stuff that was available and i concluded similarly to a lot of other nerdy folk that it's going to be secret wars yeah because that's the multiverse you have the timelines you have all this other stuff called a cosmic scale bringing everything together and i think this might be the mcu's way of sort of kicking that off with the colliding alternate realities is that Wanda loses her mind. Um, sort of everything fully hits her finally. She realizes what's happening and she can't handle it. Um, and so that's that be, that's the inciting incident that starts beginning these, these realities sort of collapsing on themselves. And that's sort of where Doctor Strange has to go in and try to fix stuff. People are crossing over realities from other places, other heroes from other places kind of popping in um, with Spider-Man. So you picture the multiverse of madness as him trying to piece it back together, as possibly as one of the plot. Maybe points. I, I, I think it might, because it's so near in the future though, and not like a decade out, mm. like the Endgame would mm -hmm. would have been from Iron Man. I think, I think it might just be sort of like a step one, or like the first quote like movie of a trilogy, if you will yeah um that sort of sets like this is this is the level of of crap we're dealing with <laughs> like this this is insane and this is just like the first stage of of what's going to happen and then like the next you see like it get worse because we don't know that necessarily that dr strange is going to be fixing anything by the end of the movie it could just be he he achieves some some minor thing like he gets wanda back into sanity or something like that but things are still going crazy haywire across the universe so it's i my my brain sort of goes into crazy conspiracy mode and like sees all of these weird little possibilities but i i definitely see wanda being the villain by the end of the mm -hmm. series i definitely see that lasting for at least a little, while. a little while and dr strange sort of being the one to try to like bring her back yeah. to to uh the hero side We've got a lot of crossover from all these things. So apparently Darcy Lewis shows up at some point in this. And if you don't remember her, she's the character from Thor. Uh, the first two Thor movies, she's the sidekick to Natalie Portman's character. And um, then you have Jimmy Woo, who appeared in the second Ant-Man movie as a agent. And then you have Monica Rambeau, who we mentioned earlier. And if you don't know who she is, she is the daughter of Captain Marvel's best friend. And of course, since that show took place, since that movie took place in the 90s, she has aged up to be an adult, which is why she's an adult in this. Because I realize that when we mention these names, people may not know who these characters actually are. Um, and so you have these crossovers and still references to other things in the MCU, which is just like a movie. And they treat this essentially like a nine-part movie. I mean, you have the same high-quality special effects, scoring, storyboarding, and writing is high-quality. And they're using it as a bridge to the next phase of blockbuster movies that will take my money. So with that said, we, I hope that in listening to this, the people that are uh, trying to follow the show have a better idea of what they've watched and maybe where it's going. And hopefully we help clear up a few things without being too spoilerish. Um, William, do you have any final thoughts on this one before we move forward? Because I'm pretty sure we're going to look back in six weeks and be like, Oh man, we got about half of this right. And the other half, we had no idea what we were talking about. So you have any final thoughts? I it's yeah it's one of those situations where I I agree with Kevin Feige that like the the speculation is half of the fun of like yes it of is the entire experience it's yeah it's a getting to watch the stuff unfold and see this this product that or this piece of art if you will that's been crafted for you uh, for your enjoyment and the other half of that is getting it in small pieces and hints and building the hype and everything like that and how that um, leads you to invest more and more time thinking about it. Um, 
that's half the enjoyment, at least for me, is is looking at the stuff and like sort of big picturing it and saying like, well, given what we know already, where can this go? Like, where, where, like let's draw some lines between what we know already and see if we can predict how we get there or where we're going or any sort of other information from what they've already shared with us. And I think that, and for, I know for some people that's like, oh, that's, that'll ruin it because if I'm right, then there's no point in me watching the movie. And but for me, it's like, oh, I was right. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's never stopped me from watching the movie. I mean, you're one of those people that will read the spoilers about something before you see it, but just so you can see, oh, was I right? Did I get it right? Oh, okay. Well, that was good. Yep. Um, so, and I'm not told opposite, like, oh, I want to be surprised, but, uh, and I'm not I like did better that on this one though, for, for, you... for WandaVision and for a few other play things. I'm like, I'm not going to watch, I'm not going to read anything. I'm, I'm going to avoid all news media. <laughs> I'm going to see it for myself. That's how I was for, um, Rise of Skywalker and it did not help me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll probably be back to kind of sum sum up this show again at the end. Uh, like I said, I was super. I just I've been super entertained. I don't can't tell you I understand everything that's going on, but it's been super entertaining so far to see what they're trying to do and the attention to detail that they put into the show and the way that they make these great nods to other things. Like one of the things that we didn't have time to talk about was the fact that they put when a vision phases through the floor and the credits of the second episode, there's a skeleton down there in the floor and a helmet that people are saying belongs to another Marvel character named the Grim Reaper, things like that. And it's like, who has time to find these things? And like, I mean, it's bonkers. So there's just layers and layers of stuff so, to unpack. Oh yeah. Oh, I, one of the things I thought was nice, but while we're on it, before we go, is that in the credit scene, I think for the, Be the Bewitched episode, episode two, that it's, they have Bova Milk in the grocery yeah, store yeah. and and bova is the name of a, a humanoid cow that was created yeah. by the high evolutionary and was sort of wanda's and pietro's like nurse like when they were little they she he would take, she was like their babysitter that would take care of them while magneto was off trying to destroy the world this is when magneto was actually their father because then later on he's not yes, their father. yes this was yeah, in the comics one yeah yeah it's weird comic that books timeline as much as we love comic books, they're weird and things change in them all the time. I mean, DC literally rebooted their entire universe seven or eight years ago with the new 52. So, I mean, it's just all weird. Anyways, we digress. It's super late. We both we both have, well, we don't have work tomorrow, but we both need to sleep and take care of babies tomorrow. So, William, thanks for jumping on to do this. I'm going to make sure Billy the intern sends you a new laptop. Um, Billy, that's coming yeah, out of yes. your, that's coming out of your, uh, your winter bonus, by the way. Um, and that's fine. And uh, this is David Faye from the Title Rub Podcast. This is Title Theory. William, will you tell the people adios for us? Bye, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Have a good day. <laughs> Wait, that's not how I end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Man, y'all, I'm struggling today. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Same bad time, same bad channel. <laughs>